All right, welcome to another episode of the Christian Coach Podcast. We're so excited that you're taking the time to listen and join in with us. I am joined by my co-host, Chad Simpson. How are you, Chad? Hey, Jim. Doing good. That's awesome. We have, I tease him, a legend. He always kind of, in his humility, uh, doesn't like to be called that, but Mike Lightfoot is the guest on our show today. And I wanted to read a little bit about Mike's bio and his background. Uh, he served as the head coach at Bethel College in NAIA school up in Indiana. He was the fastest winning coach to 300 wins, 400 wins, and 500 wins. Uh, coach had a total of 794 total wins. This is more in the state of Indiana than Bobby Knight and Gene Cady. So this is incredible stuff. Uh, he was introduced into the NAIA Hall of Fame in 2009 with another coach. You may have recognized this name, Coach John Wooden. So in 2009, Hall of Fame, three times NAIA, NAIA champ, four times NCCAA champ, and then six times National Coach of the Year. Man, Chad, I got to take my breath, but what an incredible guest we have today. Unbelievable, unbelievable. Uh, what a resume and, you know, um, all those things. That's not the the main reason we have him on the podcast, but it's, not his, at all. it's his heart behind it all, too. But for sure, that's uh, that's legendary status, um, uh, a ton of wins under the belt. And, and just want to highlight a couple things that I heard in this interview that you guys are going to love. Uh, just be listening for what... Uh, coach Homer Drew taught him and you might be a little surprised um, about that one and then just his really unique experience that he got as a coach to experience with his two sons um, mm -hmm. but those were two things that that I really enjoyed hearing about and I love uh, his testimony he had a breaking point went through an injury and so just tune in as he shares about lessons that he's learned and I'm sure a lot of us as coaches can relate to this. So we're excited about this episode. Again, our mission is to serve coaches through conversations so they can lead like Jesus. Enjoy Mike Lightfoot. All right, excited for our guest today, Coach Mike Lightfoot, a legend. But thanks for taking the time to be with us, Coach. And we're going to jump right in with our power question what does it mean to you to be a Christian coach? Wow, that means a lot to me because when I think about being a Christian and what the importance of that is in itself is, you know, being a light into the dark world mm -hmm. and to share that light with the people that you're around. I think as a coach, you really have a, a tremendous responsibility that you, we cannot overlook in any way or any form that we are accountable to the young men or young women that we are coaching to be a light to them, to be an example of what a Christian person should be. Unfortunately, that's really not what's happening uh, as we watch TV or watch sometimes the actions of coaches. Um, they are not investing in their players. They're really focused in on, on self. Mm. And so those are the things I think are very important, but, the main thing I think, Jim, is what you're doing with your guys and gals when you're not coaching. Mm. You still need to be invested in them. I think that's when the impact of the real impact happens 
in a coach player relationship is the things that you can do off the floor that you're pouring into them. So then they will have more of an opportunity to listen to things that you're trying to teach them. And so I really think that the key of a Christian coach is how much time you're spending away from the court, away from the field, and really, really spending quality time to get to know the story of your players. If you, if you don't know the story of your players, then how are you going to relate to them yeah. and impact their lives? Man, I'm taking notes, Coach. That was beautiful. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's an incredible answer, and I, I know you lived that. I love how you said being light. I love how you said investing. Man, that's, a, that's just a great term. And like you said, everyone has a story, and those kids know um, when you invest in them, they'll end up eventually running through a wall for you, and I'm sure you had players – that uh, would do that for you. Well, I know that you were at Bethel and for those listening to the podcast, they can't see it, but uh, if you're on YouTube watching, I pulled out my high school Jersey for coach today. Bethel. Yes, That uh, so is my number. That, that's number crazy. 21. We were talking off air and coach's eyes lit up. He said, that is my number. So 21, I squeezed into it a little bit, but I know you're at Bethel coach for uh, 30 years. I know that you were a player there, but let's let's rewind way before that, Coach. Talk to me about what it was like being eight years old, nine years old. What was it like being Mike Lightfoot back then, where you grew up, maybe siblings, parents? Take us back. Oh, my goodness. That's way back before electricity. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I grew up here in Indiana. Um and lived in a uh, small town of 500 people counting cats and dogs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it was a small town, uh, and I equate it for those that are old-timers that would watch Mayberry. That's really kind of the, the, the environment that I grew up, a very safe place. You got on your bike in the morning, and you didn't come home basically till dark during the summertime. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, also with that said, I... Uh, I, my parents were blessed with me being able to be involved in, in sports. And uh, so I was involved in Little League and all those things. We didn't have all those sports, but we had baseball. Baseball was really the sport that you could play uh, when you were young. So I played baseball. My dad was a very good baseball player. Hmm. Uh, he uh, had a tryout with the then the Brooklyn Dodgers. And so uh, I grew up with the love of baseball. With, nice. What, what position did you play in baseball, Coach? Well, you know, I think that uh, when you're young, you end up playing all positions. Yeah. But I, I primarily, uh, in my career, I ended up playing middle of the infield and then eventually transitioned as I got into high school to the outfield Okay, uh, and played out there uh, more, gotcha. more, than, more than anything else. And so, yeah, it was a, I had a really protective childhood. I already said I had a drug problem. My parents drug me to church. <laughs> and yeah, you've heard that one. That, that first time, man. I love oh, it. Really? I wow. love it. You need your to wife out. tells me you got jokes, man. Your wife tells oh, me you got yeah, the jokes. And so, I, you know, those are the things that uh, I just cherish those times as I get older. I really cherish those times and uh, living in a small town. I think that. I was probably one of the last of the generation where you got on a bike in the day, in the morning, and you you come home at night. And you got to get home before dark, yeah, and, uh, or for dinner, and that was it. And yeah. most of the time, you find yourself out playing, 
Uh, yeah. So I just grew up loving sports. But in Indiana, uh, most people understand that Indiana's love is basketball. Yeah. So I grew up just role modeling. I had a next door neighbor that was a very good basketball player in high school. And I was just eight years old playing in my dirt backyard shooting. And uh, I just began to idolize and wanted to go watch him play. And because of that, that just got me going into the game of basketball. So honestly, that was the game that I fell in love with yeah. probably when I was eight years old. It's awesome when, you know, when you hear Indiana, you just automatically equate basketball. And for me, I go back to seventh grade. My dad was my high school coach and he showed me the movie Hoosiers. Oh, and of course, Jimmy, uh, I'm Jim, Jimmy. I'm just like, Oh, I love this movie. And I, I got past the shorts with the belts and stuff like that. So yeah. I, I yeah. remember going way back, but man, what a great childhood. I'm sure you just, like you said, look back and have incredible memories. Well, the other thing that's kind of unique that uh, the person who played the head coach in that, the, the movie is not like the reality of the show, but uh, uh, Marvin Wood was the head coach of that, yeah. that real team in, in 1954 that won Milan was the name of the team. Yeah. And uh, he ended up uh, moving up to this town where I lived and uh, actually was the women's basketball coach at Bethel for a while. Oh, so wow. uh, incredible Christian man that that started that whole thing. Yeah. 1954 is the first uh, game that was on TV in the state of Indiana. And so wow. with that major victory of a young, a small school of, you know, 150 kids mm -hmm. compared to you know, beating Muncie Central. Well, they actually didn't play South Bend. It was Muncie Central. They beat them. And wow, uh, so many people came to that little town to mm. celebrate. That's awesome. That's a true David and Goliath story right there, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Coach, tell me this. Let's uh, let's transition a little bit to your faith and, mm -hmm. and, and your story there and, and accepting Christ as Savior. And just uh, share a little bit about your faith journey. You know, I think as I grew up, I think lots of times we see this in our Christian homes as you, you can grow up in a church, but that doesn't mean that you're a Christian. Yeah. And I, I really felt like I uh, <clears throat> I was a good kid. Uh, I really didn't get in trouble. I just loved sports so much that that just preoccupied my time. But I think one of the things that happens in all of our lives is we can get caught in the trap of putting other things before God. Mm. and uh that was me that was me as i got into junior high and i got into high school i think our identity really kind of depends on what we're good at some of it's academics we can become a god of academics some of it could be music or whatever um for me it became sports and so as i looked at my life and i reevaluate my life um god had to do some work in me to make sure that God was first. And so what he did was he he pretty much put me through a, a trying time. My senior year, a time when you're going to get recruited to Indiana heavily and all those things, um, I ended up breaking my foot. Mm. And, uh, could not play. Wow. And, you know, watching my teammates compete and do all that, that put me on a, a spiral that I really had to evaluate my life. And, you know, even with that, Jim, I thought, 
looking back on it, I still continue to go to church. I knew what that was like. I knew the importance of that. Uh, but to totally surrender, mm. totally surrender is, is a key part of the Christian faith. And uh, when I had sports taken away from me, uh, God had my attention. Yeah. And, and I finally made that commitment to Christ because um, I had nowhere else to turn. My identity no longer was in Mike Lightfoot, the basketball player at LaBelle High School. And so with that commitment, it was a, a life changer. Wow. And so no longer did I look at bigger schools or things like that. But I was fortunate enough to fall into a place at Bethel College as a player at a Christian school where I look back now and just think that's where I got my roots founded in my faith and was able to live my faith, grow in my faith. And uh, it was all part of God's mm. plan. But I think many times all of us in our life have to reevaluate what's really important. Ooh. And for me, I probably was kidding myself. Yeah. Probably said, yeah, I think, oh, no, I had sports was first. Yeah, man, coach, I can relate to that. Like, man, it's in my heart when you share that, because I lived that too. And I bet a lot of athletes and coaches yes. experienced that. So I appreciate you sharing that. And it's kind of like, I remember sharing with my players, you know, what's your list? And that, that's just, what is your priority? What What's, what's on your list? And, um, when you say totally surrender, that that's when it becomes real. You know, I think that uh, there's a, you know, Christ as your Lord and Savior. Mm, well, so I think good. of Lord, I think of submit. I think of, you know, that's, that becomes a different, that's a, that's, a, that's a whole different way of looking at your faith. And uh, whatever we're really good at becomes our identity. Yeah. And we have to be very careful. Yeah, um, because Satan wants us to just lock into that identity. We know that that's always going to fall short. Yeah, it's uh, when you say Lord, it, it's all about, like you said, complete surrender. It, it's basically throwing away our list and saying, all right, God, what's your list for my life? Right. Man, that's good, coach. Hey, talk to me about this. Um, so you played at Bethel for Homer Drew. Yes. Uh, great basketball family. Of course, oh. Scott Drew's up at Baylor and Bryce is at Grand Canyon. But those those four years under Homer, um, what, what are some maybe lessons that you learned as, as a basketball player? But maybe I'm sure he was teaching, you know, way more than basketball when you were oh, there as a player. No question about it. The things that Coach Drew taught me, he – you know, I, I, I went to with a plan of planning to be a coach. And I think that was a key part of what I wanted to do. Uh, really didn't know how to do that. Didn't know exactly what that meant. But uh, under Coach Drew, I really had a strong feeling of how you can pour your faith into your players. Mm. You could be a great example each and every day. And uh, those were the, the qualities that Coach Drew impacted not only me but every player that uh played for him yeah. and so i saw that daily i saw his relationship with the players his positive relationship and then his faith was able to i was able to just put that all together and say that's that's what i want to be that's how i want to do it and mm -hmm. i i learned a, a very very valuable lesson from him actually the year after i graduated they were playing for the regional tournament, which got him to the national tournament. And I was coaching in high school and I went back to the game. It was packed. I couldn't find him. 
just to wish him luck. And, and I went in the locker room, wasn't there. So I went back to his office and this was probably half hour before the game is really the biggest game he's ever had mm -hmm. as a college coach. And uh, sitting on his lap was Scott and Bryce. Oh, wow. And he was reading a book to him. Mm. And it taught me right there, there's more important things than winning a game, but it's being a dad and mm. responsibility there. So not only did he teach me how to be a Christian coach, but he taught me how to be a dad. Wow. A Christian, a Christian dad and the priorities there. And those are the things that were still to me and uh, still today. Yeah. If there's something I have, I, I don't I don't think twice but call on Coach Drew. That's awesome. Man, what a great mentor for you. And and I love that you said, you know, he he taught you how to be a dad. Yeah. Sometimes that that balance we have as coaches is trying to climb that, you know, that that ladder of so-called success. And we try to, you know, get to the top and we we've end up maybe climbing that and it's leaning on the wrong building. You know, we've heard that before and we miss out of being a, a dad or a husband. So yes. great. Yeah, because You know, I think we're investing and, and you've been in the coaching realm and those the coaches that are listening or watching this. One of the things you have to understand, you're spending more time with your players really than you are with kids. Mm. Yeah. And so in uh, many times of the season, that's very much the case. So what are you doing to pour into them and make sure that, they always know that they're number one. Yeah. And if you don't do that, then you're not being a very successful. You might be a very successful coach, but you're not going to be a successful dad. Yeah. And many times there's baggage along the way. Mm -hmm. And I just see that so much in the coaching profession. And I'm sure it's in the business profession as well. Yeah. But if we don't invest in our kids first and make sure that's a priority, then the rest doesn't even matter. Yeah. Well, I've met you. Uh, it's been about known you about only a year now, coach. And I, I can yeah. say this. You are an incredible dad. You're a great father. You're a great husband. You are a mentor to so many players. And again, if uh, we thank you for joining the Christian Coach Podcast. We're with Coach Mike Lightfoot. He's the former coach at Bethel College. Uh, currently serving with an incredible ministry, Nations of Coaches. We're going to get into that a little bit. But uh, coach, um, Proudest moment on the court and then off the court. And as you're thinking about that, um, I, I just I, I looked over your bio, coach, and, you know, I, I know you don't even want me to say it out loud, but man, inducted into the NAIA Hall of Fame in 2009, uh, 794 total wins, um, more wins in the state of Indiana than people. Are you listening to this? More wins than Bobby Knight. And Gene Cady, I mean, coach, you you are a legend, my friend. But as I say this, I, I know you got some stories with basketball, but g give us one proud moment on the court and then maybe a proud moment off the court. Well, I think maybe the the culmination of being a dad was uh, in 2007, 2006 or 2007. That's terrible. We. <laughs> I was able, we were able to win my uh, last national championship. Mm -hmm. We had been, after that, we'd been in the finals many times, but uh, uh, both my sons were on the team. And, oh, cool. Uh, so that, to be able to cut down the nets really kind of was a way that both players, you know, how many times does a dad have both of his sons playing on the team and then be able to have a, ability the opportunity to cut down the a championship nets together as a family 
So that was a, a great cool. experience that I don't know how many coaches out there have ever had that experience of cutting down the nets as a, a really a family. My wife and my sons and myself all were a, a big part of that. So it almost said this is this is the culmination of all those things, the sacrifices that my sons have made, the sacrifice my wife right. has made for us to, to, to be at that point. Oh, so cool. You know, uh, there's so many great memories of, of going to players' weddings and doing those things that I just love to do and uh, going back. and um, But probably some of the greatest memories I have are, are mission trips. Oh. Uh, every two years, I took our team overseas on a mission trip to a third world country. Mm. And just being able to see their growth and uh, – Many times while we were there, they would make a commitment to Christ mm. as they were into a different environment and they realized the importance of what they're doing. So I think those memories of really seeing uh, their spiritual lives develop, seeing baptisms, seeing uh, guys come to Christ uh, uh, kind of is the, really the key part of why I do what I do. Yeah. That should be the purpose that we're trying to uh, the first question is a Christian coach. That's our why. Yeah. So the why is not about, you know, just having fun in the bus and all those things that happen on road trips, but really the, the, the big thing is why is seeing the seeds have been planted. And then eventually if you're blessed enough to see them actually grow in their faith or they want to make a commitment. Man, that's incredible. I love I love how you said the idea about missions trips because that became real in my life as yeah. I got to attend uh, you know, a couple of those with Score International and then I got to travel uh over to Spain with two of my kids and you talk oh about cutting goodness. down the nets, but two of my kids got to go yeah. and my wife got to go and now you have the family. Those yeah. are memories for a lifetime. Those so. are tremendous. And actually, when our players get back together for reunions, it's funny. They're not talking about the national championship. Wow. They're, they're talking, talking about the trip. They're talking about the trip. Remember what this happened? Remember what yeah. that happened? That just That's recently awesome. happened with a bunch of our guys. It was awesome. a blast. And we're getting ready to go on a trip together. Yes. yes. Next month, uh, Coach and I and a couple of people from SCORE and Nations of Coaches, we're going down to Panama, the country. Yeah. So excited yeah. to serve with you down there. We're going awesome. to be able to see the canal and do oh, all yeah. these things. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Coach, I'm what a, let me ask you this. We have, um, you know, coaches listening, maybe former players. Um, what advice would you give the young coach? So that GA, that um, ops guy, you know, the young assistant. Then what advice would you give that? middle-aged coach you know 45 46 maybe he's starting to settle in and then to finish it sorry for a three-part question the the older coach that's getting ready to retire yeah. so as you think about those three kind of phases of coaching what advice would you give that like we said the young coach the middle age and then the one closing out his career well there's a, that's a that's a great question because mm. i think there's a lot of a lot of things there but i think for all coaches, if you look at the whole thing, make sure you're focused in on the on the now, not the next. Mm. Lots of times coaches are so focused in on the next, yeah. next year, next game, next this, next that. So and they good. just don't focus in on the now. And eventually the now goes away and the next goes away. And then they're looking like, what, what just happened? Uh, now I'm old and retired. Yeah. And so I think that the first thing uh, for young coaches is to make sure they, they, they coach for who they are. 
uh, I think many times young coaches make the mistake of trying to be somebody that they're not. And, guilty, uh, guilty. <laughs> you know, I think that that happens so much. They, they, they see a coach, maybe they played for a coach. They said, Hey, I'm going to, I wanted to be Homer Drew, but you know what? I'm not Homer Drew. Yeah. And so I had to change and be Mike Lightfoot. I think the young coaches need to understand that they have to be themselves. They have to be the person they are. Um, now they can have the qualities, they can have characteristics, all those things. Yes, that's important, but they've got to be who they are because if they are fake, the players will know it. Yeah. And the today's generation is so good at finding fake and phony. They can register that. And if you don't have fake and phony, your message is going to be really muddy. And yeah. so for younger coaches, I think for middle coaches, I think one of the things is always want to continue to learn. Be a lifelong learner. Just because you've been in the game 10, 15, or 20 years doesn't mean that you've got it figured out. And uh, I had great stories of people in my life that helped me uh, kind of reinvent myself because they say, how did you stay in coaching so long? And I think one, probably one of the best things you can do is look to constantly reinvent yourself as a coach. Find new ways to, that will get you excited about what you're doing and then you can mold that into your philosophy, your culture. And then finally, for the older coach, I think the the dangerous thing is getting caught in the same track and just staying mm. in that lane. Uh, and I don't think that we're, we're taught biblically to put it on cruise mode and wait till we're done. You know, I think, well, I think if you're going to be in a coach, you got to wring the towel. You got to do everything you got to pour in to your life. And you've got to be totally wanting to be a lifelong learner, continue to get better at your job, uh, continue to invest. And probably one of the most important things is invest in the younger coaches. Be a mentor to so many other young coaches that are coming up. It's not about you anymore. It's about what you can give back to the game. Gold. Gold, my friend. I'm <laughs> telling you, I, I, I'm listening, and I I don't know when you're going to write your book. You need, <laughs> you need to get ready, man, and get, get your wife, Jackie. I, I know Jackie. She can help you with that. But, man, great. I only, write with, a, I only write with a crayon. So <laughs> <it wouldn't. laughs> hey, those are the ones I, I, I read the best, man. I want to transition, Coach. Um, Nations of Coaches, uh, Man, what an incredible ministry, nonprofit organization. Explain maybe the the vision, the purpose, your role, even even the story of how you got involved in the position you're at right now. Wow, that nation of coaches is the best kept secret Ooh. in college sports of what's going on. And my prayer has been in the five years that I've been a nation of coaches that there'll be more of awareness to know there's an organization out there that's real and is doing things that people can't even comprehend. Yeah. And I think that's probably the biggest thing. Nation of Coaches is founded just to serve and equip coaches in the best way we can. And through that, we've been able to do amazing things both on and off the floor. I was at the final four, which all coaches go to. Mm -hmm. And uh, Pete Weary was there at a booth standing there, probably telling jokes or whatever. <laughs> I went over to him. What he's good at. And he's good at. And he, you know, he just, he knew me and he said, Hey, Coach Lightfoot, whenever you get done with the game, I think this should be a really good fit for you. And, you know, you kind of put that in your back pocket and you think about it. And, but then 
then you go on coaching and you just continue on. And I did that for a couple of years. And that, but as I prayed about what's next, you know, mm. in our lives, I could see at the end, there's going to be a time when I'm going to put the clipboard down. And so uh, we just kept going back to the nation of coaches booth. And then we finally went to a marriage retreat. We really saw the passion and the purpose of nation of coaches that they really want to invest in coaches that's where my heart was as I continued to uh, mature in my coaching was time. Okay, this is the love I have. I have a love for coaches. I know what they're going through. I know the struggles. And my wife had a great feeling of what happens with coaches' wives that get behind and are left behind. And, and then, then uh, their marriages are in trouble. Yeah. So we decided to partner together because of that and just felt like we're, you know, we're called we're all called for some purpose or cause. And I just felt that we were called by God to join this organization to really try to invest in the ministry of helping coaches and their wives. And so uh, my wife and I did it together. And so it's been a tremendous ride. It's been so, so um, uh, amazing to be a part of an organization that really is real about what they're doing. How long How long have you been with Nations and now? This is my fifth year. Wow. Um, fifth year that I've been a part of it. And uh, many times I had people say, you probably wish you would have done it, you know, 10 years before. <laughs> but God's timing is different. So sure is. it has been an amazing experience for me. It, uh, it I know my why. I know my purpose. <clears throat> and I don't see any biblical reason why a person should retire and not be involved in, in still lifelong investment in, in people. Yeah. And so this has given me uh, a motivation like no other yeah. to continue to impact. Uh, I can't impact wins and losses on the court anymore, but I can impact lives and serve coaches the best I can in, in my region. Well, you, you know what you're doing, coach? You're following your own advice as now a mentor, giving back, investing into those coaches. So I, I applaud you. I celebrate with you. I partner with you and yeah. I'm excited yeah. to be on the same You're team. You're doing the same thing. Yeah, it is amazing ministry. It's obvious, uh, Coach, you have, you have a love um, for your players and um, the relationships are important. And I remember someone sharing with me, you know, when we love our athletes as players, Yes. It's what they can do for me. Yeah. When we love them as people, it's what can I do for you? And there's that shift that yeah, so many young coaches problem. don't don't quite get yet. And you've got it. You model it. And that's good. Uh, man, this has been incredible. We're running out of time again with Coach Mike Lightfoot, former college basketball coach, Bethel College in Indiana. He's now serving with nations of coaches. He is a legend. Uh, I love. You're laughing at that term, Coach, but you are, and I appreciate it. Here's what I like to do, Coach, as I wrap up podcasts. I, I do. I do ten questions in a minute. So Whoa. this is off script. This is fast. First thing that comes to your See, mind. I played your game before. I oh, watch out! Well. I remember. I, I don't remember. know if I want to do this game. <laughs> you got this. All right. So clear your mind. I'm going to start the clock. We got a minute. And here goes the questions. I'm going to start it now. Are you ready? I'm ready. Right. Favorite junk food? Uh, potato chips. Favorite go-to restaurant? 
Uh, Hacienda Restaurant. Favorite sport to watch? Football. Favorite sport to play? Basketball. All now right. pickleball. Yes. Uh, truck or car? What? Truck or car? Oh, car. Uh, book or movie? Book. Cabin in the woods or beach house? Cabin in the Ooh, woods. Nice. All right. Favorite Bible character? David. Favorite Bible verse? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Good Just one, Philippians 4.13. And last but not least, we got five seconds. One word to describe you. Passionate. Nice. Coach, you made it. 58.2 seconds. Oh, man. I got it within got time. It. Listen, yeah. this has been incredible, Coach. I could talk <laughs> to you probably for another hour, and I'm sure we will. But as we close, what what is one thing that I can pray for you about? And we'll we'll kind of close in prayer. Wow, that's a tremendous thing. Thank you for what you're doing. I'm so excited that you're part of our family. <laughs> you know, you like mindedness. You know, I've told coaches many times. I see myself in you, and that's exactly what I do when I see uh -huh. you. I say, I see myself in you. I see exactly the track that you're on. Uh, I think that the the thing that prayer um, for me is is so important, the power of prayer. But with that, I, I think I have a tendency to sometime I need to have focus on mm. specific prayer. Okay. And uh, I think the prayer that I've been praying here lately is search my heart. Make sure my motives are right in what I'm doing. Because I think we all have the potential to deceive ourselves mm. and so we need to be able to have lord this is not about me this is not but search my heart make sure i'm doing the right things right place right time give me your eyes give me your hands give me your feet incredible well let's do this let's close in prayer huh coach yep god thanks for an incredible day conversation thank you for coach and his heart and his family and his years of service and just it's so obvious his passion for you for the game of basketball the platform that you have given him uh thank you for the relationship that i have with him and the mentor that he's in my life and as we we pause and just think that um we won't let pride get in lord you will search our hearts as coach says that you'll give us uh, your eyes to see you'll give us your ears to hear we want to be your hands we want to be your feet uh, to serve you. Pray for Mike and his family, his boys, his ministry with Nations as Coaches. Thank you for just his incredible leadership and passion, and may he continue to serve you well. In Christ's name, amen. 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 This, uh, this was an awesome episode. I just loved hearing from Coach Mike Lightfoot. Um, so much wisdom there, and, and we can glean from his experiences. Um, but I just love the story of, of Homer Drew uh, right before a big game and just having his boys on on his lap uh, reading a book to him and that was just special for me and as you know I, I probably made made some mistakes I had seven years as a college coach and, and I probably didn't do a good enough job as my kids were young to just include them but that's that's a theme that I've heard here uh, as we're getting up uh, up to 100 episodes or so that that these Christian coaches it's it's what they do is they they make their family a part of the coaching ministry um, and that's just a, a big, a big thing that I've witnessed here and, and heard from a lot of our guests. But uh, what else do you got, Jim? 
Yeah, no doubt. That was a highlight listening to that and just how Homer was a mentor in his life and not only what he said, but, you know, what he did. And I know that burned on Coach Lightfoot's heart. And he's a great dad and I've got to be around him, a great man of God. Uh, I loved asking the question and hearing the advice that he would give, you know, that 20-year-old coach, that that 40-year-old coach, and then that 60-year-old coach. And uh, one quote I remember writing down was, focus on the now not the next focus on the now and it's so easy as you know a coach to what what's next what's next what's next and, and just focus on the now enjoy the moment and then um man coach is just living out his own advice uh being a mentor uh involved with nations of coaches now and coaching the coaches and being that role model so uh man what a great episode we appreciate coach lightfoot uh taking the time to to share with us And as we close, we remind you that the mission field is right where you are at.